Hello and welcome to Bros Watch PLL2. I am Benjamin Light. And I am Marco Sparks. And we are here today to talk about S2E2 of Pretty Little Liars, entitled The Goodbye Look. Ooh. The Goodbye Look is a, a American crime novel about uh, some sort of mystery where the main suspect is a missing person. Hmm. I know that Tree. because I read the wiki. That's an insightful story. I didn't just know that randomly, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, so we pick up right where we left off with the previous week's episode. If the girls are still in the gr- the greenhouse debating what to do next, uh, and there's some loud noises outside. A lot of weird noise happening in this greenhouse. Like maybe it's just a lot of the wind, you know, it's stuff falling and hitting the glass, making weird noises, wind. Making weird noises. It seems like orchestrated. Or maybe Um, the girls are just being paranoid. Hannah. Paranoid too. This was. Yeah. Well, they just found out that Ian may still be alive, but Hannah helpfully points out that zombies don't text. Yeah. Zombies, much like Machete, don't text. Hannah, I don't give you nearly enough credit. You're amazing. Um, So they need to figure out what Melissa and Ian have been talking about and for how long. So, of course, that's tasked to Spencer. Um, Arya says, "Do we call the cops?" And it's like, "No." Well, at this point, it's like, "Why would you ever get the cops involved in anything? All they do is like make shit harder for you." Yeah, yeah, really. Um, so the girls are kind of they start walking home from the greenhouse, wherever the hell the greenhouse is, and they remind themselves that they're supposed to be spending time apart. That they're gonna they're gonna play it cool <laughs> and go along with whatever this this new status quo is. Um, as they're heading home, they pass by the De Laurentiis house to find new Jason De Laurentiis. You know, when I first watched this show, I, I binge watched it. I thought he looked different. I was like, I just guess he just has different hair now, but that actually is a different actor. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. He's more earthy and less greasy. He's more of a bro is the best way I can describe well, yeah, it. They, they, he's they got longer them. hair. Yeah. They drop the like, uh, like, uh, suits and all that shit he's not as waspy yeah he's he's a little like he's not like a total surfer bro but he definitely like he could be like if you were to put on some board shorts and go to the he's go to the beach kind of doing like the male version of like the the case do where like every new paragraph has to be kicked off by me moving my hair around a little bit he actually does remind me of case do a lot yeah yeah case do's big brother um yeah, like he's yeah, like he's dropped the young urban psychopath look for something I don't know more uh, urban outfitters. Mm-hmm. Um, he's throwing away like they see him coming out of his house that he's apparently moved into, throwing away all the kind of uh, shit that people left as a tribute to Ali mm-hmm. back when Maya's parents lived there, and he's mm-hmm. just like throwing it all in the trash because uh, apparently he just doesn't care. He's moved on. Yeah. Um, and then we get the credits and then we get the credits so this one we won't have to split up a million different ways it's much more conventional and classic not conventional but just it has less scenes with the, all four of the liars together so it makes it easier for us to to use our structure let's put it that way. classic yeah uh so we'll start off with aria because that's where you start off we always always, always start with aria always yeah. uh a is for always um, so after class, 
Ezra informs Arya that his last day will be on Friday. He is still just trying and failing to get Arya to care again. And it be it's like when she does open up to him, it's just to throw some bombs, throw some grenades, and then she pulls back, puts up the walls, and he says that he basically feels like she's picking apart every little thing he says. With tweezers, yeah. Which she yeah. is. Yeah. Um, she says, uh, she, she's acting like, she's like, oh, I don't know where this relationship is going now that you're, you're leaving and changing jobs. And Fitz is like, I think I've been very clear about that. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the closest he gets to, uh, directly arguing with her at any yeah. point. Cause, you know, you don't want to piss Ari off. But it's like, yeah, seriously, like, he said over and over again, there's a reason he went to get this job, and that reason is specifically for Arya, but... Well, this is like a, this is a classic staple of relationships, where the one person, for whatever reason, it's not necessarily the other person that they're dating, but they, like, they need a space, they need a break from this relationship, and they're going to unintentionally poison everything in the relationship mm-hmm. and ezra is committing what is ultimately the worst sin of all and trying too hard he's, he's trying way too hard just to be caring and open and there for her and that right now is disgusting to Arya. Mm-hmm. she's over it so he finally talks her into coming over the next day to his place so they can talk she's like fine you know well because this is after he said why don't you come over tonight and she's just like i can't tonight it's family night so she'll Which come over is- tomorrow yeah. Um, so in hallway after class, Mona calls after Arya and calls her a big A. Says, hey, LOL. Hey, big A, which, uh, you know, I've been saying all along, Arya's A. So that. Uh, but and this is funny on a variety of levels because Arya's four feet tall. Yeah. Yeah, there's that level. I just. There's there you level where Arya's A. If they ever do. Like suddenly reveal that Arya's A, I will be so happy. I'll be like, I I wish that was something I could take to the bank and like withdraw money against. You know, just feel like I was. I called it. I was there from the very beginning. Win yourself ten thousand Arya bucks. Mm -hmm. I mean, hey, if you're listening to this for the first time, you haven't watched all these shows before. You don't know that Arya's not A. They could reveal her in the season two finale. They could reveal her next week for all you fucking know. Mm Hmm. So, yeah, there you go. Um, so, Mona and Arya talk about getting a goodbye gift for Ezra. And Mona <laughs> is delightful in this scene. <laughs> I love Mona. She's like, uh, oh, I figured that you, Ari, could pick the gift for him. And Arya's like, well, why would you? What? what? And she's like, well, you know him well. You know, from that play. Yeah. And Arya's like, right, that one episode. Yeah. Um so Mona says that Ari should pick out the gift and that Mona will basically shake down everyone else for the money. And Mona makes a joke that that's her favorite part, shaking down people. Um, that as, as she just shook down Arya and made her go do this thing that Arya wasn't exactly. planning on doing. Exactly. And then Mona basically says that she wants to talk to, wants Arya to talk to Hannah for her, but Arya says no. She basically, Mona gets the Kalo treatment where Arya's just like, no, sisterhood, closing ranks. You're not getting to Hannah through me. This is the third time that somebody has appealed to Arya to speak to Hannah on their behalf. <laughs> and Arya has said, no. She's pretty good that way. Also because Hannah's her alternate personality. She, she shuts and it down. Sometimes Arya gets off on withholding. Um, mm. So later... Oh, Arya- I just want to mention one more thing with Mona. How Arya mentions you know, all this drama that's going on. And Mona's just like, what are you talking about? 
And Arya's like, don't you watch the news or read a newspaper? And Mona's just like, you got me. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, it's like, but, you know, it's basically like, oh, yeah, that thing where you lied about uh, Ian. And Arya's like, it wasn't a lie. <laughs> and Mona's like, what is? Yeah. Mona's fantastic. She is such a wonderful bitch sometimes. But she doesn't exactly know what Arya's talking about. I feel like she's... It's not like she's a, a mustachey twirling bitch, you know. She's just that's Mona. She just likes to fuck with you. Well, no, but she's not. It's not Mona doesn't watch the news, you know. She doesn't care about whatever drama. But I mean, Arya's I think, got I going on. That she knows exactly what Arya's talking about. She just wants to make Arya repeat it. Oh, is that how you read that? I can see that's that. how I read that. Yeah. Okay. Like I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, 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 that thing, that thing where you lied to the cops. Ha 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 ha. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, there was that Arya... one time that Arya wouldn't get her, uh, you know, refreshment from the Vendi. So maybe Mona's still mad about that. Oh well, yeah, yeah. Well, plus I think I think Mona's good at seeing structures and fucking with the foundations of them. Um. So like later, Arya is waiting in Ezra's place for him, uh, but Ezra is late because of a college thing. Yeah, he's uh, meeting with like the faculty, and the the head of the department is there, and so, you know, sometimes you can't just leave in the middle of something to go hang out with your teacher girl or your uh, your high school girlfriend. Yeah, and Arya is just not pleased. No, I thought you wanted me to come over and talk. Unfortunately, his you know his fucking job is in the way of that. Um, I can't decide if this is a bad move on Ezra's part or a brilliant move on Ezra's part. I really can't. I'd say brilliant. Because, oh yeah, him showing up and talking to her is the last thing that would save this relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, well, I, I don't, I don't think this is actually a move he's making, but. No, but I mean, you no, know, still, it's just the way that the, the cards play themselves out. But, uh, so Arya calls Spencer for advice because Spencer is the master of time. She has a great eternal clock, and she knows exactly when to call a boy back or what have you. So Arya needs. Arya is just like, oh my god, I've waited like a whole hour, you know, yeah. for for this guy who's my OTP or whatever. I guess an hour and a half is too long to wait for him. I just want to point out that Spencer is the master of time because she always knows when to call by the boy back or how long is it time to wait. This is not supported in the text. No. No. When has Spencer ever shown that she's the master for time? I think yeah, Arya's exactly. just blowing some sunshine up Spencer's ass and wants Spencer to tell her what to do. This because this conversation quickly becomes about Arya again. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- just the juxtaposition of the fact that ten episodes earlier, like Arya would have adored having Azra's place to herself and like just languishing in this the, the the musky scent of this older boyfriend of hers, and now she just can't help but see a juvenile. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kind the show kind of, or they, they kind of take you through the like greatest hits of the Arya and Ezra relationship. There's the typewriter, there's the creepy bag heads on the, the show, tie. the tie that she got him. Yeah. Um, she's about to bounce at one point and Ezra texts her asking her to wait, please. And she's just like, Oh my God. So she waits, you know, two minutes or whatever. Um, then she bails. She leaves him a note. She writes a piece of, pa- piece of paper and leaves it in the typewriter that says, she, sorry, we couldn't make this work. She hand writes, sorry, we couldn't work this out, dash Aria, and then puts it in the typewriter as if it was just typed. Like she rolls it in there. This Dear John note has layers. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it's really, I think, hitting Ezra where he lives. It's really showing the difference between these two. I mean, like, I could, if I was like a 17 year old girl, I could just write quite a paper on this. Uh, how long, how long do you think she waited? Like 75 minutes? If that. <laughs> if that. She's like, I got there at 6.20, let's call that 7. Yeah. I was, there, for, I was there till 7.25, let's call that 8. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to take me 10 minutes to get home. We'll call that 9.30. Oh, my God, Ezra, I spent six hours waiting for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sorry we couldn't make this work. So, uh, not much to do with Arya until much later on. She comes over to Spencer's place, even though they're not supposed to be, you know, interacting with each other. Right. And sees that there's a, like a little hole in the, the glass. The door has like a bunch of little glass panes. One of them is broken. So Arya just comes inside and this is then, broken in the way that only implies something terrible has happened. Somebody's broken in, yeah. Yeah. Comes inside and there's like an intruder who comes running down the stairs from Spencer's place. Kind of runs into her, punches her in the boob, throws her into like a coffee table and runs off. Yeah. Later on, Spencer has shown up and they're... Arya's got all this like uh, first aid shit out, even though it looks like she might have just like, you know, twisted her wrist. It's the only thing wrong with her. Well, Spencer's like, she's checked the upstairs to see like what's happened, if anything's stolen or missing or vandalized. And she comes up and she's just like, Arya, are you okay? Arya has this great like tough line like, yeah, my dignity broke my fall. Well, and then what did you think of this? Spencer says, Arya, are you sure you're okay? And I'm just sitting there thinking, huh. Because, like, they really made a point. Spencer's got to ask her twice, and it was like, slow down, make eye contact. Are you sure you're okay, Arya? And Arya's like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. To me, that just means that Spencer is aware of Arya's dissociative disorder and is asking her, is, is shit cool? Or the fact that Spencer's just been through something similar herself. I choose to interpret it that Arya's A, Spencer knows this, and that they're both flipping out. And Spencer is just like, my friend's a functioning sociopath. It's fine. It's cool. She has really good hair. She knows what kind of coffee I like. Are you sure you're okay? So Spencer hypothesized that maybe it wasn't Ian that broke into the house. Or it wasn't A, A, but maybe Ian. Maybe it was Ian. And Arya was like, well, he was in your room, so maybe he was there for you, Spencer. Yeah. Because, um, spoiler for the other girls, there's been some other break-ins around town. Um, things like camping gear have been stolen. So they're trying to hypothesize who would need camping gear. Maybe somebody who's hiding or on the run. Mm-hmm. A la Ian. So I guess it's the next day where... It's Ezra's last day in class, and we see the the present that Arya has bought with her special knowledge of Ezra that nobody else has. The the gift she got for the whole class, from the whole class to Ezra, is a copy of To Kill a Mockingbird. Which I mean, what the fuck? Yeah. Wow, Arya, you really you really had to think about that one. I'm sure he doesn't have a copy of that book anywhere. Yeah. He didn't spend Ezra's the whole just season like, of television teaching that fucking. Wow, great. Right, this book. I have like five copies of this book. Yeah, and then uh, he he begins to give his his talk to the class on you know his 
his feelings and experiences with this class as he, he is leaving them. I like that he throws in a, stop me if this gets too maudlin. <laughs> what do you, what do you think the, uh, so of course this, the speech he gives is all very subtextual and it's obvious like he's talking about Arya the whole time yeah. about how I didn't, wasn't expecting, you know, this to happen and, you know, but talk it's been about so amazing. not knowing your general audience. Well, so what do you think the other students think during all these weird subtextual talks that Ezra gives when he's obviously talking to Arya? Like, are they all just like, oh, God, like, do I really have to sit through this? I, I wish they weren't fighting right now. Like, this is just yeah. painful. And I, I'll put it this way. I have been in a high school class where it was obvious that one of the female students was having sex with the young male teacher. So... From the other perspective of the, of the extras, I know exactly what this feels like. You know when these couples are fighting. Like, you, you know when they're having a good time, and you know when they're fighting, and it is awkward. But in but general... I feel, like, I feel like by now, it's it's shifted from awkward to just annoying. Yeah. Like, they can't wait for this pair to be over. They're just like, oh, my God. He's, he's doing it again. Like, everyone's just making eye contact. Like, Yeah. But I mean, just just to show, in case anyone wasn't aware of the kind of like like pretentious prick that Ezra is, he quotes Joseph Campbell <laughs> in his like subtextual speech that's half to his students and half to Arya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You must let go of the life you plan to live the life that awaits you, or something like that. Yeah, what an asshole. And then the bell rings, and the students are like, thank fucking God, I can get out of here, it's so awkward. And he's like, oh, oh, right, always read, have a good life. That, that's his actual speech to the, the rest of the class. I, I'm just, like, I would have thrown in one of the students, like, flipping him off as they walked out. I really would have. Um, yeah, so later there's, like, a weird montage of Arya sitting in the empty lunchroom, looking well, like, feeling sad she, as it she rains. She stayed late at school, I guess is what we're supposed to think. Yeah. Uh, it's always raining when Arya's either sad or feeling dramatic. Just Especially when it concerns Ezra. Like, mm -hmm. when it rains, Arya and Ezra are the only two people in the world. Well, the weather, like, syncs up with Arya's emotions. Yeah, but it's like, it's like, no one else exists. Mm -hmm. I just want to point out, can we say real quick, for the most part, Arya's outfit, I don't know, but bright blue boots. <laughs> bright blue. Well, and so it's, it's, it's gloomy, it's raining, but then a ray, a perfect ray of sunshine breaks through as she sees Ezra out in the parking lot. So she runs out to him. Well, no, no, first, first. No, you're, you're missing the, the beautiful dramatic tension of this. There's a musical montage playing. There's like some kind of crappy song playing over this. And Arya, like, it's like she finally realizes she, like, should run to Ezra. She's giving up something. So she runs through the school, like, slow motion, in slow motion, with those mm -hmm. bright blue boots just bouncing for this, like, four foot tall girl. She gets to what is now his empty classroom. He's already gone. She's missed him. Oh, shit. Never mind the fact that she knows where he lives. Mm -hmm. You know, the metaphor is died. But then she looks out the window and sees that single ray of perfect, beautiful the, sunshine. The room lights up. She runs outside, finds Fitz in the parking lot, and she basically, like, throws herself into his arms, and they make out as he spins her around, and it would be romantic if she wasn't her teacher. This is right in front of all the school buses. In the middle of the goddamn parking lot. <laughs> I mean, even even if it's like, oh, the, all these buses are empty, still, like... The secret, there could be someone else nearby who's watching. Another faculty member. Yeah, anybody. 
literally mm-hmm. anybody. I mean, there's school buses are surrounding them. He like drops the box of shit he's putting in this car. Also, Ezra, I didn't notice at the very end. Is, it's a great big weird open mouth kisser. Yeah. Like, he's think, just starting to eat her face. I think you can assume that both Ezra and Arya are really in love with the kind of the idea of being in love, the kind of yeah. fantasy concept. Like they're both really into that. So everything they do has to be over dramatic. And from a thespian standpoint, these two have just been chewing the scenery all episode long. Mm-hmm. Now they're going to devour each other. Yeah. Let's move on to Hannah. Please. I'm frankly disgusted with Arya. No. Yeah. Uh, Hannah wants to know why she has to put up with therapy when Ashley doesn't even believe in it. And Ashley, wise, world-weary woman that she is, says, because most of life consists of putting up with something. Ponder that. Hannah and Ashley like have just fantastic scenes together, like in the morning. I love all their scenes, yeah. There's like just just such a wisdom that just like oozes out of these two mm-hmm. women. Um We find out that Hannah's dad is gonna be coming back to Rosewood because he's concerned about Hannah. And Hannah's just like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I did like later on there's a scene where the girls are in like the the lunch line uh you know getting their lunch but then they all have to sit apart because you know it, it's they need to if play along with this idea that they're separated from each other now they shouldn't be interacting they, they do this against hannah's objections hannah says looking like we're doing it is the same thing as doing it it means we're wrong and we're not wrong we're right yeah uh, i want to point out that that as the girls dismember and, and scatter Arya gets the group table. Yeah, of course she does. All the other girls have to go to a different table. And Arya then gets the group table. This just made me feel bad. Mona kind of weighs over to Hannah. I, you know, they're they're fighting and like semi broken up as BFS right now. But Mona's like, "Hey, come sit with me." Hannah instead just leaves. She puts her her tray down somewhere else and walks away instead. So she not like, only yeah. not only is she dissing Mona here, she's not eating again. That's always a good sign when Hannah's not eating. She slams her like tray down at some nerd's table. So for like five seconds, these geeks are like, oh shit, Hannah's going to sit next to us. And then she mm. just storms right out. And they're like, well, do we eat the food or? I mean, <laughs> exactly. <what? laughs> um, and then once they've all split up, the remaining three girls and presumably Hannah too, mm-hmm. all get a text from A, which says, look at you all alone in the crowd. I win XOXO. A. <laughs> it's one of my favorite A-Tex. <laughs> it's so just a, beautifully. I win up. exclamation mark. Yeah. Yeah. A is just like us. Petty mm-hmm. as shit, but wonderful. Um Yeah, so so Hannah's dad has come to town and he's got lots of questions for her, which she's very resistant to answering. And Hannah is, is tough as nails. Well, sense. I like how Ashley doesn't really seem to She's not really that into the therapy thing, but she's just going with it. Right. She's just like, yeah, whatever, you know, the other parents said so, um, you know. Let's pause for a moment and rewind back to last week's episode with the intervention scene with all the parents in Spencer's kitchen. Mm -hmm. Kudos to this show for not becoming the OC, like secretly they just wanted to do a show about all the parents. Yeah, yeah. Teenagers with the vehicle. Like, just imagine what that scene looked like for those four girls like trotted down those stairs. I imagine Ashley is the one who like somehow had a glass of wine. <laughs> even though it's like Spencer's parents' house. And like it was literally just going along with everything because what Wait, is she gonna do? 
I feel like that scene is probably being led by the Hastings right. with strong support from Pam. Byron and Ella. Oh, you think so? Yeah. From yeah. Pam, yeah, because Pam's very moral. Byron and Ella, they don't know what the hell's going on, so they're just going to go along with it. And then right. Ashley, like, in other circumstances, she might disagree, but, you know, this is Rosewood, and the, the, the rest of your Rosewood, you know, parent friends agree with this, so... It's like, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go with it. Well, and Ashley's the kind of person who, sadly, even though she's accomplished quite a bit in her life, is secretly like ashamed of herself. Mm-hmm. She secretly sees herself as damaged goods. Plus, I imagine in the back of her mind, she's thinking to herself, you know, I drank half a bottle of wine before I came over here. <laughs> I've drank another half a bottle of wine while I've been sitting here listening to the talk. Maybe I'll just nod. Mm-hmm. Um. So Hannah's dead. He says he's going to be back in town for a while to be there for Hannah, which apparently says, is a change of plans. What drives me nuts is like, she's basically like, why do I care what you think? Cause you say these things, you ask these questions or whatever, and then you're gone. You're gone immediately. And he's like, well, maybe it won't be that way. Maybe I'll stick around for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Good parenting. Good so dad. he's going to be around. There's an interesting little scene here. Hannah brats off upstairs and then. Ashley's like, oh, so uh, that's not going like, to cause any problems with for with you and your, your fiancé, is it? You she around. just says, not going to cause any problems for you with, with anyone, is it? Mm-hmm. And then she's like, hey, let's uh, let's have some wine. And then her dad is like, uh, how about I make some martinis? And Ashley's like, no, let's have wine tonight. Yeah. And then there's a, d- did you pick up anything that shot where she hands him the wine bottle? Did that seem weird to you? No, oh, I just seemed like I thought they went just went and fucked as soon as the camera got off them. Well, she she hands in the wine bottle, and I was trying to because he he grabs it, but she doesn't let go right away. It's almost like either he's pulling her closer or she's pulling closer to him. But it's like they're both holding on to that bottle for a second as one pulls the other closer, and and then he takes the bottle and and goes and opens it up. Like the body language there is very interesting. I thought there's going to be some sex. It's going to start in the kitchen. It's going to make its way upstairs. It's going to involve wine. Yeah, it's definitely going to involve wine and some orifices. Um, so the next day, it's like Mona calls Hannah's house, like the answer machine. Hannah ignores it. No, her dad uh, hears this, by the way, because her dad is there. Yeah, and Hannah correctly points out that her dad only shows up when she's in trouble, and he's like, she's basically she's calling her dad out. She's like. You're basically replacing me. You said you wouldn't, but you did. You you went and found yourself a new family. Like you, you're never around anymore except when I'm in trouble. Um, and I thought the dad looked suitably admonished by this. I think he's probably not really wanted to think about this until now, and she's right. kind of like you know rubbing his face in it. I wish that we had jotted down some of the lines because hannah is just killing it with the sarcasm in this episode mm-hmm. i mean she's really like firing on all cylinders of her dad um one point we forgot from the previous scene with the wine is that hannah's dad wants to make sure ashley knows that he's going to follow her lead with this yeah he assumes that she knows what to start he's not here to like disrupt that and he just wants to help her and so now hannah's calling him out and it's like yeah you only show up you know when i do something bad and you pretty much just left and abandoned me and found a new family. And he's kind of like, huh, you know, like, uh, and he kind of acknowledges that like, well, I, I, it wasn't my intention. You know, we, we'd all make mistakes. I think he realizes for the first time what a terrible father he is. 
It says you can do a lot of damage when you have only good intentions in mind. But mm-hmm. uh, there's a great line. I can't remember the exact wording of this, so forgive me. But it's like something she says, like, like you really only show up whenever I'm in trouble. And then she kind of pauses. And it's like he's about to say something, and she's like, you think I should talk to my therapist about that? Yeah, and it's like, I think that's when it hits him. He's like, yeah. ooh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that that's a thing. <laughs> yeah, Hannah's got some daggers, and she's good with them. Um, also, I just want to point out that Hannah has got some issues with her father right now. Uh, Arya's got some issues with the man that she's fucking like he's her <laughs> Well, and so I, I think the, the line about, you know, good intentions and whatnot, that resonates with Hannah because then she goes and finds Mona. Yeah. Um, Mona, who describes Nolkan as a major get. <laughs> Santa's like, are you still dating that guy? Or like, what? Yeah, um, she's just like, what the fuck was with this no con shit? They they essentially make up their BFS again. I thought Mona it was... Says a, Mona says that she feels good being forgiven, that she's never been forgiven by somebody before. And that it feels all spi- like spiritual, is how she yeah. describes it. I thought it was interesting that Hannah says, can we just like forget about it? Which to me is not the most healthy way of... uh overcoming a disagreement or hurt feelings right you know i mean like she kind of has to like it takes her a little bit to actually say like i forgive you um mona has to ask like does this mean you forgive me like hannah would be more willing to just forget about it but she obviously like she she would have never totally forgotten about it right the formerly hefty hannah's got a lot on her plate right now she wants Mm -hmm. to get these things done with but uh it's funny too, is that Mona, in that spirit, tries to maybe open up in her, her in a little bit of her old Mona sense, but as a caring friend sense, and ask about things of Caleb. And Hannah is just like, "You don't ask about Caleb, and I won't ask you about Noel Khan. He's a major get. Yeah, I think at this point on, from the from this point to the end of the show or whatever and beyond, nobody will ever say just Noel. <laughs> no, it's always Noel Khan. Let's talk about Emily. Yes. Emily's um, mom is now like in charge of Emily's phone. She can have it at school, but she has to give it back to her mom when she comes home. Her mom will give it to her to call people, but not the liars. Well, and uh, if she wants to make a phone call, she has to do it downstairs, like in front of Emily's mom. Mm-hmm. That's always good for your teenager. Take away so the privacy. Emily is just like absolutely like befuddled and disgusted by this this suggestion. And Emily's mom is like, I know it's hard, but it's not mean. Well, before that, she says, look at it, look at it like a project, you know, because we didn't always have cell phones and, and blah, blah, blah. And Emily's just like, yeah, I'm not really seeing it that way. But yeah, I know it's, I know that this is hard, but it's not mean, which I feel like resonates with the good intention line. You know, you may not in, be intending this to be mean, but that is definitely your result. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucked up. Yeah. Um, so there's a family that potentially wants to lease the fields home for a year. Um, it's already got a renter for the house. Yeah. And then Emily discovers that her computer has blue screen death mm-hmm. uh, because all the files got erased off of it. Yeah, seemingly a full-on like formatted her hard drive. I like that she calls Spencer about this, and Spencer's like, are you saying that A just walked in and wiped your drive? What am I talking about? Of course they did. <laughs> Yeah, and so and then it's established that now only Ian would have the videos because presumably he got that flash drive from Spencer, right? 
Right. Um, so Emily has a swim practice later on, and Samara comes to visit her. Yeah, she's just there, whatever. Uh, basically there to set up a date. Yeah. She's just like, why don't we go get dinner and then, uh, you know, go to a movie. And Emily's kind of like, uh, I don't know about that. And she's like, what? You don't like movies? She's like, well, Emily like reminds her that she's moving soon and she doesn't want to start anything she can't finish. And Samara's just like, so we don't get the big popcorn. Samara's just like, YOLO. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so then a college scout comes to talk to Emily about her future and the college's program because Emily is the kind of, you know, swimmer they want. Mm hmm. Um, and so that gets Emily excited. Maybe there's a possibility for scholarship there. Uh, later on, when she's at home, Pam comes in and says that it appears that somebody's broken into their garage recently, installing some camping gear. Right. And this has happened to a neighbor too. So that that just ties in with later with Arya, uh, Arya getting Spencer, yeah. getting accosted. And then Mrs. Fields makes sure that she confiscates Emily's phone there, mm-hmm. but uh. Then we, the next Emily scene we get is more fucking slow-mo swim porn. <laughs> My notes just say the egregious slow motion swimming shots are back. Exclamation mark. Yeah. My God. They really do love their shots. Well, it's like the, the, the camera like follows the swimmer like into the water. Yeah. You know, in slow motion. So the Emily meets with the scout, tells her she has a chance at a scholarship, but it could hurt her if she moves to a lesser program if she moves. Like, continuity is really important at this stage. Well, and because Rosewood is so highly rated that anywhere else she goes would certainly, like, like work against her. Mm-hmm. And so Emily lies and says, no, no, I'm not moving. I'm staying here. Yeah. And he's like, oh, that's good. Yeah, so she tells her mom that she can get the scholarship if she stays here. Uh, her mom admits that this, you know, could be something. This could be a potential reason not to move. And Emily's excited about that. She goes on her date with Samara. She's telling her about her potential scholarship. You almost get the impression that Emily's the kind of girl that would talk through a movie just to talk about her fucking self. Um, and then Samara, Emily starts talking about Maya, and Samara basically says that, you know, everyone has a Maya. Oh, briefly on the, the conversation with Pam, where Pam's like, well, I'd, I'd like to see like a letter of intent from Danby. Right. Danby University is where the scout is from, not a real college. Uh, this is, Good thinking by Pam. Um, right. It's easy to get swept up in something like that and be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get a scholarship. But Pam's like, nah, I'd like to get some shit in writing. Yeah. Um, the scout. So Emily eventually goes to see the scout and talk to him about that. And he basically tells her, you know, like, she's just like, well, you said if I kept my grades up, blah, 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 blah. I mean, mind you, it's been like a day since she last talked to him. And he's like, uh, yeah, I can't give you any kind of like firm commitment here. This is still he ways says, away. He says, I, I can give you a letter of interest, like a yeah. maybe letter is how Emily describes it. And he's like, yeah, I can give you that. And so. she's kind of like, oh shit, you know, and it's kind of like, this isn't bad. I but mean, she's, she's still very, that. she's still very polite with the scout because she's Emily, yeah. you know, um, just spin that one, one bit on Samara. I just have to point out, I really like Samara. She's my favorite of Emily's girlfriends. Mm. Like she's just like, She's not horrible like Maya. She's not insane in a not fun way like Paige. Like oh, Paige is the worst. She's like I don't know. She's just like a pretty chill chick who you you know you wouldn't mind dating. I think I actually might hate Paige more than I hated Maya. Mm, well, I don't want to spoil anything, but Maya's the worst. So let's talk about Spencer. 
So, after Spencer finishes talking to Emily about her formatted hard drive, Melissa comes home to show Spencer her sonogram. She's got uh, a little picture from the doctor. And I thought this scene was funny because Spencer, she really is trying to be nice. And half of it is good intention sweetness on Spencer's part. And the other half is because she wants to spy on Spencer. You know, she's like, oh, I can take you to the doctor next time. And then she's like, do you want me to stay home? I don't need to go to school. I can stay here and answer the phone for you and, you know, get rid of all the like reporters and whatnot who call. And Melissa's at the same time being very much like, no, no, that's fine. I don't want you around in as nice a way as she can. Well, she specifically says, I want to have my phone with me in, in case, case Ian you know, calls. Yeah. yeah, or somebody calls, the police call. Um, Spencer's parents are gone somewhere. It doesn't matter where. <laughs> they're just gone. They're always gone. They, uh, they showed up. They said their piece. And then they're back to like the apartment they rent somewhere else where they carry on their life. Yeah. Um. So later, Toby runs into Spencer like a little quad area of the school, and Toby's getting papers from the school's office to start doing his G- GED. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spencer wants him to come back to school, but he does not. He's just like, no, not everyone looks forward to this place, Spencer. Yeah. <laughs> He's gotten himself a construction job with a local contractor who apparently built half, half the houses in Rosewood. Right. Toby wants to basically get Sweeney. enough money. To get the fuck out of Rosewood. Yeah, which he, well, he wants to move bad. out as soon as possible. This is not terrible. I'm considering he's had a pretty rough shake of things. Mm. He's a weird dude who's been in some weird circumstances. It's not like he's going to college. I, yeah, I mean, he, he's ugly and he's weird and he's kind of antisocial. I would want to move, too. Mm. I, I don't blame him. Um, and so Spencer does the whole thing about, like, oh, you're going to move, huh? You know, And he's like, oh, well, I wouldn't, you know, depending on, you know, you. And that's romantic and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Melissa's been reading the newspaper coverage and just getting pissed. Spencer's well, like, how can they write that? They don't know what they're talking about. Spencer is very carefully unboxing some store-bought brownies and then putting them on a plate that she plans on taking over to Jason to be neighborly. Like yeah, a- and Melissa, she offers Melissa some desserts, and Melissa wants some, but she calls her out on trying to pass these off as homemade. And Melissa says, don't worry, I know how to keep a secret. But I feel like you're supposed to get the idea that, like, Melissa is no stranger to this move. Right. This this is how the Hastings girls can seem so amazing in all facets of their life. Like, they're really not, like, much in the homemaker department at all. They just know how to, like, fake it. Would you, at this point alone, would you make the argument that there is no move that Spencer has that Melissa is, like, a stranger to? Exactly, yeah. Um... So Spencer, Spencer has a golden opportunity just to try to like pave more, you know, good intention stuff of her sister, but she can't help but go with the, oh, weren't Ian and Jason friends? Which Melissa automatically red flags, red flags. And she's like, well, Jason wasn't somebody you could count on. You could depend on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then Spencer tries to dig deeper, and Melissa's just like, I do not want to talk about Ian. Ask me about anything else besides Ian. Yeah. Well, it, it's not just that. It's it's that she's hitting Spencer back with it. That This is what Spencer's always doing to her. Mm-hmm. Like, she's basically telling her, like, if you want to be my sister right now, talk with me about anything but this. You know this is a sore spot between us. Why mm-hmm. are you pushing this? Because she's Spencer Hastings. That's why. Exactly. Exactly. So Spence goes over to see Jason and there's this bit where she's, she's rung the doorbell and she's waiting for an answer. And 
there's a it's like a little little dog kind of like it's like the dog from the artist which i haven't seen that movie and you haven't but you probably know the kind of dog i'm talking about it's a cute scruffy little dog little dog kind of digging around in like the flower bed somewhere and Spencer's just, she, as she knocks or rings the doorbell, she waits and turns around. She's like, oh, it's a dog. And then the door opens and Jason runs out, throws a rolled up newspaper at the dog and is just like, get out of here. <laughs> he Spencer's is, just like, WTF. He is full on crazy person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, his, he, like, that actor, he just, like, wide open eyes like staring constantly like that's his move as an actor is to just like creepily stare at you and not blink like he just woke up that's this mm-hmm. is this guy's move it's like everything is like he just woke up and he's a little nuts the eyes are a little too wide open he's a little too intense um so spencer and jason have lots of questions for each other jason very pointedly does not invite her in when she gives him the brownies instead he like closes the door and stands outside of it yeah says it's yeah. just him there, not his parents. And then he he questions her on exactly what Ian said to her. Did he actually confess to you? What exactly did he say? And Spencer's yeah. like, I think he confessed. And he's like, what do you mean by that? What exactly did he say? And so Spencer's like, well, he was saying how I would have killed Allison. And he's like, well, did he, did he ever say himself that he did? And Spencer's like, well, not well, exactly. And then he hits her with, and how would you have killed her? Yeah, I thought that was a fun line. Yeah. How would you, at least as Ian tells it, how would you have killed Allison? She says, uh, an accident, pushed and fell. Yeah. And so he's, but he's like, so he didn't actually ever literally say that he killed her. And Spencer's like, well, no. And he's like, all right, thanks. And Spencer says, can I help? And he says, you already have. Like, walks back inside and shuts the door. To which Spencer has a flashback. Flashback. Flashback to when Allie was alive and Jason's like uh, running outside yelling at Allison for messing with his stuff. And then he runs back inside as Allison unleashes some not very sick burns about how like Jason's a stoner and doesn't know how to operate a door doorknob, you know, mm-hmm. Jason. Is and all the, all the girls laugh at that because, you know, they just laugh at anything. That Mind you, they're, s- they're all like hanging out in like lawn chairs in Allison's front yard. <laughs> Also, Arya has the pink stripes in her hair. Pink stripes. And then they're like, "Well, what what's he mad at you about?" And Allison's like, "Oh, he's mad because I, you know, he thinks I stole one of his like uh, like tentacle porn Japanese uh, comic his books, Japanese cartoon porn books." And of course, she did. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's like, "And I did." <laughs> um. So Jason's presumably going upstairs to like tear through her room and find it and just mess things up. And the girls are like, aren't you worried about that? And Allison's like, no, it wouldn't do any good. I've got hiding places all over the house and the yard. And she says, when I hide something, it stays hid until I want it found. And real quick, the camera flashes over to Spencer's face. Mm-hmm. And Spencer, it's like she's just heard the juiciest detail from Allison. And then, you know, they kind of cut back to Allison, who's still finishing her throwaway sentence to her. And she says something to her, basically the fact of, like, that's why all of your secrets are so safe mm-hmm. with me. Yeah. Then it, it comes back out of the flashback. Spencer's still on the doorstep. The light turns off. Like, the, the porch light. Like, it's Jason's like, I don't think she got the hint. I'll turn the light off. He, he might as well have turned on the sprinklers. I mm-hmm. don't know, too. Yeah. Um... So the next day, Spencer pulls up her car to meet Toby at his construction job, and she 
while there's like this like smooth toe tapping acoustronica playing, she gets to witness Toby getting the pink slip at his construction job. <laughs> Toby gets fired after seemingly half a day on the job. If uh, comes over and explains that the owner of the house saw him there and didn't want him on the construction site, and so his boss, who was very nice about it, had to let him go. And Spencer's like, why? And Toby says, they've got a daughter. And Spencer's just like, hey, he cannot do that. You know, she's about to get out of her car and go, uh, go yell at somebody. He's just like, chill the fuck out, Spencer. It's okay. So he takes her out in the middle of the woods, which at first I thought no, was she, super she takes him out in the middle oh, sorry, of the woods. Sorry. Yeah. Well, it, it seems really creepy at first. And then you find out they're basically going to like lookout point and like mm-hmm. looking over Rosewood at night. I um, always like the exterior shots they show of Rosewood. It's such, like it's a really long shot of the town where you can barely make out like cars and whatnot. It looks pleasant, you know. Yeah. Um, also, Spencer's looking really good in her tartan skirt. Um, so S- Toby is basically describing Rosewood as this like evil entity, and Spencer's just like, "Hey, calm down. It's just a town, not a monster." To which Toby says that it has monsters in it, and you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's also pointed out that Spencer only now explains to him that Ian may still be alive. Like she hasn't told him about this yet until this scene, like right before the scene started. Um, presumably because uh, she knows that Toby would just go off and do something stupid with that information. Because Toby's stupid. Yeah. Um, it's not yeah, a monster. So- it's got monsters in it. Exactly. So this is then where Spencer is when Arya comes to check on her and the break-in and mm-hmm. somebody pushes Arya down. So Spencer comes home. Um, I think it's a day later. Spencer's coming home, like from school, mm. and it's it's been raining outside. She's got her you know, like a little raincoat on, and Melissa's there on the couch, just like being pregnant and in sweats and shit. And Melissa pointedly says that she has been in, been inside all day, hasn't left the house. But Spencer, as she's putting her coat away, sees that uh, Melissa's boots are wet and muddy. Her raincoat is muddy, or not muddy, wet. And it's got a picture of the sonogram, the sonogram picture in it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, that's suspicious. So she meets up with the liars later and points out that it was also dry under her car. So the car hadn't been moved. So, so Melissa's been going out of the house somewhere nearby within walking distance. Right. I like the Spencer new to check under the car. Very Nancy Drew. Yeah. Um, so while walking, here at the end, the girls pass the De Laurentiis house and see that Jason has been planting and digging, or they see he's been digging some, something in the yard where the dog was earlier. And he shows up out of the dark and says that he's been planting all day and he's putting up a fence. For security and for privacy, because there's a lot of curious creeps out there and won't take no for an answer or something like that. And he sounds about 60 years too young to be this crazy. Yeah, he sounds like a crazy old man. Um, I mean, he's literally about to throw these girls out of his, like, out of this house, or, like, playing them. It's just like, you girls should go. Yeah, yeah. Um, so our, our new theory here is that Ian is alive, he's nearby, Melissa has been meeting with him on foot. That That's yeah. where Spencer is right now. Right, right. Um, so then we get the A-tag, which is that same little doggy is in Jason's yard trying to dig something up. And A whistles to the dog, calls the dog over, and then, in great like uh, subversion, of what you're expecting, pets this dog rather lovingly. Yeah, pets the dog with the gloved hands. Yeah, I mean, like, I think you're like expecting at some point, like A is just gonna like grab the dog's throat or something, but no, never does. Just keeps petting it rather lovingly. 
Dun, dun, dun. Let's see. What's the next episode of this show called? I didn't look it up beforehand. My name is Trouble. My name is Trouble. (laughs) I wonder who that could be a reference to. Who knows? Ah, yeah. Fun episode, though. I mean, um, for a show, it's basically, you know, getting back into its new season, getting things ramped up. Well, they, I think they've done a good job of transitioning to all these new freaky mysteries. You know, is Ian still alive now? Mm-hmm. Melissa looks more suspicious than ever before. Hannah's like making some progress with her her dad, I think. Yeah, depending on how long he stays. Well, not yeah. so much in repairing that relationship, so much as repairing herself is how I put it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because she's been Hannah's been damaged like from long before the show started, mm-hmm. where we first met her, and so yeah, she needs to find uh, herself a little bit and, and build. Um, I just right now my favorite moment of the season is Arya handwriting sorry we couldn't make this work and then shuffling it into the typewriter and that leaving is, after waiting for 25 minutes or however long she waited yeah that's just the weirdest ezra ever. coming home to that and he's just like ah whatever god <laughs> well i just think I feel like ezra home. goes over he just goes and stares in a mirror and he's just like what the fuck are you doing with yourself fits what's wrong with you and he slaps himself you know <laughs> Oh, then he has to like go onto his like I love Mark Twain Facebook group and mm-hmm. find some w- words of wisdom, or maybe he has to go like uh, research his Joseph Campbell quotes with his speech the next day. So we will be back shortly to talk about my name is Trouble. Until then, uh, have a good one. Bye mm-hmm. bye. Bye.